Anyway, sorry, okay. Uh, well, if you're new here and you're joining us, um, I want to welcome you. Uh, my name is Jared Bayless. I'm the creative arts pastor here. Um, if you're joining us on the video screen, um, I'm glad you joined us. Was that awkward for anybody else besides just me? <laughs> Man. Okay, so you guys probably were sitting there thinking, I, I don't know what to do. I don't know how to respond. You're wasting my time. But if you, you know, whether you agree that you liked that or not or you hated it, I think we can, most all of us can agree, we do this to each other, right? I mean, we've got our phones out, we've got our, our computers, our tablets, we're checking for texts or emails or social media notifications, all while our spouses or our kids or anybody who's in front of us watches us do so. Did you know there's actually a definition for this, and it's called, and let me enunciate very clearly, fubbing, P-H-U-B-B-I-N-G, fubbing. I'm not making this up. It's actually, the definition is the practice of ignoring one's companion or companions in order to pay attention to one's phone or other mobile device. It's actually a defined thing. How sad is that? Right? Well, today we're talking about a subject that we really don't address in church, and that is social media. And this affects most all of us. Now, when you hear me say social media, I'm defining it as more than just Facebook, Snapchat, Instagram, YouTube, all that. When you hear me say social media... I'm considering our phones, our computers, Netflix, Hulu, all the media that we have built into our everyday lives as essential to survival. Like, I'd die if I didn't have it. Like, those types of things, right? <laughs> well, this message has been incredibly challenging to me, and so but I pray that it is for you too. So here's what I'm going to do. I'm going to lay out a lot of facts and opinions, whether they be scientific or emotional or biblical, and I just ask that you consider maybe what the Holy Spirit is stirring in you. If you're from an older generation who hasn't really latched onto social media, I'm sure your kids or your grandkids are heavily into this, so this still applies to you. If you're not a believer and you're here today, man, we are so glad that you are here. There's nowhere else we'd rather you be. And even if you don't believe in God, I think you know on some level this affects you as well. Now, there is so much uh, on this subject. Like, I won't even scratch the surface. I had to take out so much out of this message to fit it in. And there will be caveats. There will be yeah buts. Did you consider this? Did you think about this? And I will probably agree with most all of you, but just know I'm being forced to paint in broad strokes. You guys will probably come back on the comments on social media just to spite me to do that. But <laughs> let me preface all of that with this. Despite everything that I put before you today, there's nothing wrong with having social media. Good things do come from social media, and I'm not going to stop using social media. Research has actually shown that social media is a place where people can find connections and social support during life's struggles. We can, find our, uh, we can create and express ourselves. We can you know, uh, watch tutorial videos, and we can learn a new talent. We can grow and start a business, find customers. We have prayer chains. We can stay connected with family all over the world. Good things do come from social media. But like with money... It's not wrong having money, it's the abuse of it that has, a, has a, a ripple effect of damage if we let it control us. And I just simply want to raise awareness of that, which is why I'm titling this message, Selfie Nation, Self-Awareness, Mental Health, and Spiritual Decay. Super encouraging, right? Yeah. So we love social media, don't we? I mean, we would rather text anything than talk. I mean, and we post statuses about our day. And we love about what we have for breakfast or about the hangnail that we got getting out of bed. People love Netflix. People love to chill. People love to Netflix and chill, which are two very different things, right? 
people love to take pictures of themselves on their phone, also known as a selfie. That's right. Let me give you some stats. So Google in 2016 reported that 24 billion selfies were uploaded that year. And in 2014, Google reported that 93 million selfies a day were taken. And 20 billion texts were sent a day. And that's on Android devices, and that was 2014, and I didn't even mention iPhones. We check, people check their phones on average of 80 times a day. Millennials, 150, seems low. Um, too soon? Okay. We actually, research has actually shown that we touch our phones, not just check them, but physically touch our phones 2,617 times a day. We love social media, but why? I mean, what causes us to love this beautiful beast, right? Well, when we do a Google search or when we get a text or a social media notification, it releases a chemical called dopamine, which then causes us to seek for more or text back or refresh our news feeds, and we're off for potentially hours. This is called a dopamine loop. And so research has shown in brain scans that the response is actually even greater at the anticipation of a reward, not knowing who the email, the text will be from and when they will send it. And we get caught in these dopamine loops and they're hard to get out of and to stop. So after researching all of that, it led me to the big idea for today and it is this. What you don't know could be killing you. Also super encouraging. Which leads us to our main question of the day, and it is this. How is our identity in social media affecting our identity in Jesus? Okay, let me, let me give you a pet peeve of mine. Okay, so this drives me crazy, and maybe you're like me. So you go to a movie theater, and it's usually always one that you really want to see, and you sit down, and it gets quiet, and the person behind you starts talking. Who's experienced this, right? Okay, all right. But I'm talking about the people who narrate through the whole movie at full talking level. Oh, this drives me crazy because you can have different people. Like, you've got the shouting whisperer who sounds like they have laryngitis, right? Do you know who the murderer is? <laughs> right? Or you got the chomping narrator who's like, oh, who's this guy? Oh, he looks like trouble. <laughs> right? So what do you do? You do the slow head turn, scowling. And then that doesn't work, so then what do you do? You do the pre-turn huff and turn. <sighs> and that still doesn't work. And you want to turn and say what everyone around you is already thinking. Would you please be quiet? You are ruining this movie for me. And these people are so oblivious, aren't they? But here's the thing. They don't do it on purpose. It doesn't make sense. It's not like, hey, what do you want to do this weekend? Mm, you want to ruin a movie for a room full of people? Mm, okay. No, no, the problem is they lack awareness of others. And so that leads me to answer, uh, first point to answer the question, how is our identity in social media affecting our identity in Jesus? It's this, number one, it's killing our awareness of others. Well, like the movie theater people, we have gotten so wrapped up in our own world that we haven't stopped to think about what our actions and our words could be doing to those around us. And here's the thing, it's the same way with social media. Oh, I mean, we're yelling about our headaches and about our political views and our relationship problems, and we have every right to do that, don't we? Yes, of course, that's all part of this platform. And we're all givers and takers, and we just naturally cycle through being both in life. Sometimes we need or want to give, and sometimes we need or want to take. 
And that's just how we're wired. But the problem is, and I think you would agree, that we're most oftentimes takers. I mean, we've been trained to consume and be consumers in a consumer-driven society. What can you do for me? And again, that's not always bad, but like, uh, like many things, it's not the principle that's the issue. It's the abuse and overindulgence that causes the problems. And so a consumer-driven society, what it can do is actually can put uh, stipulations or limitations on my giving. For example, we won't give someone compliments, compliments unless they give one to us. We won't respect someone unless they respect us. We won't listen unless someone listens to us. We won't like someone else's status unless you like mine, right? We reside in the unless, giving only unless someone gives to us. And man, I don't know if you're like me, but I spend far too much time in that unless. So Jesus says in, the, in terms of giving, he says in Luke 6, 38, this. Give and you will receive. Your gift will return to you in full, pressed down, shaken together to make room for more, running over and poured into your lap. The amount you give will determine the amount you get back. And when I'm posting all my issues that I have on social media with the world, with my relationship, with the government, right? And you got your classmates or you're oversaturating it, preaching your Christian worldview all to your unbelievers and believers on your platform, all with good intentions. We can actually become a taker and not a giver. And we may have become the people in the movie theater that everyone else wishes would stop ruining the movie. And maybe we need to ask ourselves, especially as believers today, am I ruining the movie? Because when we, when we post, we think we're giving, right? We think we're giving something, but we know exactly the purpose of these constant posts, and you know the ones I'm talking about. It's to try to take or get people's what? Their time, their comments, their sympathy, or their attention. And when we're constantly posting, we're trying to take and get what happens to those who are watching us. We wear them out, they stop listening, and we lose our voice. And in, outside of social media, in, there's a bigger problem. We all need to give and take at different times in life. And now there's always going to be more givers than takers. But what happens when all the givers continue to give until they have nothing left to give? One day they will need to do what? They will need to take. But if all the takers are never givers, then the givers become burnt out, unhealthy, or worse yet, just another full-time taker raising the next generation of little takers. And as believers, we always need to be givers more than takers because we follow this man, Jesus Christ, who died for all of us and always gave more than he took, including giving his life for us. Titus 3.14 says this, our people must learn to do good by meeting the urgent needs of others. Then they will not be unproductive. Look, there are great things about social media. We use it here at Element to post all these messages online for you to share. We post scriptures of the day, ways for you to sign up and serve. Look, there are GoFundMes for people who need help with expenses. There are meal trains for people who had surgery or just had a baby. People here at the church did that for us recently. It was awesome. It raises awareness of others, brings things to light. We get information faster. We know about world events. Good things have happened and urgent needs have been met by social media. 
But what about those right in front of us? And we have to be so conscious of our spouses and our children and our family and our in-person friends looking at us on our vices, praying that you would just see the urgent needs they have. And that urgent need may simply be, please, please see me. Please, please act like I exist. Please act like I'm someone to you. And when we stop meeting those urgent needs, they go looking for it elsewhere. We have to make sure the most important people in our lives are even the most important people in the room. 1 Peter 3.15 says this, But in your hearts revere Christ as Lord. Always be prepared to give an answer to everyone who asks you to give the reason for the hope that you have. We have to be so careful because the world could be looking on at us as believers and saying, um, being a Christian is really like not any different than what I already have. And when it comes time when they may need to talk about Jesus or hope or life circumstances, and all we've ever done is ignore or complain, or post about what we are against instead of what we are for, we may have already lost our voice, and they stopped listening a long time ago. Our social media, our texts we send, the shows we post about watching, we have no idea what we are doing to those watching us. And it has begun to kill our awareness of others by this constant pursuit of ourselves. And instead of building these beautiful communities, we've built these self-exalting empires. So we need to start looking for our blind spots where we have actually become unproductive. And let's pay attention what we're doing to others and each other when we don't even know we're doing it. We cannot lose our voice and position as believers in our communities. We cannot. So let's become self-aware. Let's tear down these siloed empires we have created and start building the kingdom of God by first meeting the urgent needs of those right in front of us as well as those around us. And let our pursuit of Jesus be found in the statuses of our hearts and our lives, not only in the statuses of our profiles. So how is our identity in social media affecting our identity in Jesus? Number one, it was killing our awareness of others. And number two, It's killing our relationships. I mean, social media has done this really weird thing to us. Who's played this game? Um, Should I like that status? Will they know if I like that status or not? I've noticed they haven't really been liking a lot of my statuses lately. I wonder if they're mad at me. Well, then I'm not going to like any of their stuff. Okay, that person likes like every single post that I do. Like, do they even read what I write or they just do that for everyone? Oh, so-and-so liked my post. Oh, so they didn't unfollow me. Oh, well then I should probably go refollow them. <laughs> Who's done this stupid game? Oh, you're all liars. I know this. <laughs> like the last service did that too. No, I'm social. What is this social media you speak of? Yes, yes. <laughs> but here, here's the problem. So we can see all like social media has done this really weird thing. We can see all the posts, right? The lovey-dovey posts that husbands and wives tag themselves in, or you see people taking selfies with their babe, you know, and displaying all this happiness. But the problem is what? We don't believe them, do we? No, we don't. Because come on, everybody knows a phony when you see one. And why? Because we're just as phony as they are, right? Because we do just the same thing. 
But, and again, now look, there are good marriages and, and relationships and lifestyles that we should be taking notes on, but what do we do instead? Oh, we envy them from afar and we're jealous, or we romanticize about what they have instead of focusing on what we do have. Because we only post what? What we want people to hear and see. And now, posting only the highlights is not the issue. It's this image we think we need to show to everyone. And behind our news feeds, we know that social media has connected uh, married people to old boyfriends and girlfriends, and a friend request or a follow turns into a few comments, which turns into a private message, which turns into a meetup, and the next thing you know, we got a broken marriage, don't we? Now, that isn't because social media set out to cause affairs intentionally. It's because sin will pervert and destroy everything that it can. And social media created this easy avenue, which thought that everybody would behave, but who knew? We didn't, did we? Now, using your phone or watching Netflix does not ensure that you're going to have an affair. That doesn't make sense. But it has blinded us to the relationship issues that it has caused. For instance, uh, talking about technology and relationships, 42% uh, report being distracted by their phones, 24% of individuals think technology has either a negative or less than positive impact on their relationships. A study published in 2016 revealed that the more selfies taken on platforms like Instagram, the higher the likelihood of relationship conflicts and jealousy, especially when those pictures get a lot of attention. And even more issues arise when everyone else but your spouse or your partner likes your pictures. According to Time Magazine, spouses who fub each other, that word is ridiculous, spouses who fub each other are more likely to experience depression or lower marital satisfaction, and fubbing in every relationship threatens belongingness, self-esteem, meaningful existence, and control. And we have to impact our closest sphere of influence, our smallest ring of people around us. The problem has become we have taken the largest ring, those we are not closest to, on social media and made it the most important. Then we've taken our smallest ring, the most important people in our lives, and we've tried to stretch them out around the larger ring, around our social media community, and it doesn't fit because it's impossible. Philippians 2, 3 says this when talking about relationships in a different way. Do nothing out of selfish ambition or vain conceit. Rather, in humility, value others above yourselves. But have we placed others above ourselves on social media? Um, Have you read the comments on Facebook and YouTube? Uh, No. We have created it. It's a place that's all about who? It's about me, right? And when we are constantly trying to use our platforms to take, it becomes, hey, look at me. Uh, No, no. no. Look at me. No. Look at me. (laughs) Right? Have you seen this? And it just escalates. And then it becomes, hey, hey, uh, um, you know, like, follow me. No, 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 no. Adore me. Oh, no, 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 no. Uh, be jealous of me until we trend upwards to, no, no, worship me. And our identity becomes so wrapped up in the constant pursuit of who? Ourselves. And that's actually idolatry. Whoa. That's heavy. 
because I get to say whatever I want. I get to say whatever I feel to anyone. And that's why bullying is running rampant, why people are committing suicide based upon what others say, while opinion is taken as truth or as an act of war. And why? Because I get to sit behind my screen with no consequences to the venom I'm spewing, because this is my empire. And don't you dare come try to take it from me, because, because, because this is the only place anybody will ever listen to me. And the two greatest commandments that Jesus gave us was to love God and love others. Love God and love others. He does not finish that out and say, and love yourself. He said, love God and love others. And we are to let him take care of us because he loves us. That's why he says, value others above yourselves. And he backed it up by modeling it for us, by dying on the cross for all of us, allowing us to give us our identity in him. So let our identity in Jesus never come second. And let our statuses reflect hearts for him, not hearts for ourselves. And let's be productive. So how does our identity in social media affect our identity in Jesus? It's killing our awareness of others. It's killing our relationships. And finally, even more killing, it's killing our joy. You guys are a tough crowd. <laughs> well, growing up, this is a really bad segue. Well, growing up, I desperately sought the attention of people and their laughter and their approval. I, I, like, I obsessed over, um, like, if, if you remembered my jokes, if you told other people about my jokes, how funny I was, and if I could get you to laugh, oh, maybe you would think I was cool, or maybe I could become popular. I mean, like, I just found so much value in everybody's laughter that I even, in third grade, I actually, instead of bringing something for show and tell, I did a sound effect, and I actually did this. I got up in front of everybody and went, like that. <laughs> See? I valued the laughter of others so much. And this followed me into college, okay? And so then, but one day, I grew up. And I realized I was so unhappy despite all the laughter. And despite trying to get everybody to like me and to laugh, I didn't have a lot of joy in myself. And I realized in my desire to be the comedian, nobody respected me. And I realized they don't respect the comedian. They respect the leader. And I wanted to be known as a great leader, and not a great comedian. So I relentlessly pursued Jesus and learned how, how to lead people instead of entertain them. And so I found so much joy in investing in people's souls, which held eternal value, instead of their laughter, which held temporary value. And we all do this, don't we? I mean, we put so much stock in something so fragile, so finite, and, and deep down, if we're honest, we know it is, and we know that it could break at any moment. And somehow we're left watching ourselves feeling empty and hollow, and even surprised that it didn't love us back. And many of us have chosen to let social media be that for us. I mean, we cared for it, we loved it, we gave it all of our time, and we gained a crowd and some friends, and it was fun, it was exciting, it was unpredictable. But somewhere along the way, we watched it hurt us and betray us and let us down or hurt those that we love. And we sat back and watched, us, watched it leaving us hollow. So we gave more of ourselves to it, thinking, I'm just, I'm just not doing this right. I, I, I just haven't found the right person or the right thing. But like a fistful of sand, slowly sifting out and leaving us empty. We watched ourselves, we watched our kids, 
Just keep grabbing handful upon handful. Social media is about comparison. And comparison is the killer of joy. The National Health Service in the UK has found an alarming trend, specifically among girls and social media use. They have found that hospital admissions have risen 68% due to social media, due to self-harming behaviors, and a 26% increase in boys. We desperately want social media to be this thing we can take out and use whenever we want, and we get to be the star of our own show. But what we're finding is, is that we can't control from afar what we desperately crave, and that's to matter and to have value. We want people to be approve, to approve of us and to matter and to be looked after, and we want somebody to know that we exist. And social media, unlike us all in this room today, social media is a place where if you do not speak up or you do not make noise, you do not exist. So maybe the problem isn't that we can't find joy. The problem is our lives revolve around that which can't provide it for us. And to find true joy, we have to be rooted in Jesus because all else that we choose to be the foundation of our heart will eventually collapse. And only Jesus is strong enough to sit there and take the weight of the world as it bears down on us. And look, despite everything I'm saying to you today, I'm actually not telling you to stop using social media. I'm not saying don't do it. I'm asking you to ask yourself, how is my identity in social media affecting my identity? Identity in Jesus. Second John 1.12 says this. I have much more to say to you, but I don't want to do it with paper and ink, for I hope to visit you soon and talk with you face to face. Then our joy will be complete. This was social media in Bible times. Now, they don't have the technology that we have today, but this is a, a form of communication using a device other than face-to-face. -face. And John could have said more and knew it was important, but he held it back. Why? Because he knew that in order to find the fulfillment and value that we seek can only happen in the most fulfilling way, and that's face-to-face. -face. And we're missing out on so much joy. And we have to figure out who we are in Jesus before we ever engage in social media or expose our kids to it. Because if we don't, it will continue to consume us. It will continue to kill our awareness, our relationships, and our joy if it hasn't already. It will continue to fracture the church. It will continue to fracture our souls and poison our children and destroy our marriages unless unless we figure out who we are and whose we are before we ever let social media define us, unless we start seeking the approval of Jesus before the approval of man, which will always change, unless we stop letting social media parent our children, unless we start having conversations about what is real life and what is not, unless followers of Jesus would rise up and be a light in the darkest place, because I think we all on some level can agree that social media is a very dark and broken place. And no longer can we look the other way while our children are sexting each other or looking at pornography on their phones 
wounds or they're bullying someone or they're getting bullied themselves and we simply look, look the other way and use the other excuse that they're mature enough to handle it because they're not. And this is not because they're bad kids or that they're not mature, but they are in our charge and we are to protect them and their minds from what they don't even know they're fighting against or what they're even strong enough to fight against. And we can't expect them to have self-control when we do such a poor job of doing it ourselves. And we can't stand before God one day and he said, why? Why did you give your son or your daughter over to all of this? And our answer, well, I just, it's hard to keep up with all of it, you know? We have to fight for their purity and fight for our own purity and fight for those who we love. Now, this does not mean stop trusting them or have a Dr. Phil, you know, confrontational session every night. That's not what I'm saying. I'm saying maybe we need to put our phones down or pick our kids' phones back up and start investing in their hearts instead of their things. And listen, students, young adults, adults, parents, choose today whether you're going to challenge yourself or your kids to live a life of integrity or not, because they or you will run from it or rise to it. Speak to whichever outcome you want. So we need to start putting our phones down and looking our spouses and our children and our family and our friends in the eyes and saying, hey, how are you doing? And we need to actually want to know. Now that was a heavy message. And that was a lot to take in. You can watch it later on social media. <laughs> Too soon? But I do want to end on a positive note. So what are some things that you're like, okay, you just got done yelling at me. Like, what do you want to do about it? Okay? Well, here's some positive things. So for those of you, you first you need to figure out what your role will or will not be on social media. And for those of you who are opting in for social media... Here's some things, I don't have a lot of time to go into detail with these, but here is a start, okay? It's so number one, be aware of your kids' social media. Now, this does not mean stalk them, this does not mean be disrespectful, but we all can't help but post on our social media the overflow and health of our hearts. So know the statuses of their hearts. Help them learn self-control. Maybe help yourself learn self-control as well. Number two is this, talk to your loved ones face to face. Put your phones down. Maybe no phones at, at dinner. Maybe have dinner together. There's a novel idea. Have dinner as a family. If you're talking with someone, put your phone away. When you tell somebody when they're talking, um, I'm sorry, whatever you have to say, this is more important. And we are become takers. So put your phone down, or if you have to, pause your conversation, tell them what you're doing, and then put your phone down because our relationships are not as strong as they could be. Number three is this. Pray during the urges and fasting. Let me explain this a little bit more. So I was actually at the pharmacy waiting room at the store. Uh, I had to get a tetanus shot uh, that was required before my son was born. My wife had my phone, which had the grocery list on it, and she was shopping. So I'm in this waiting room, and I have no phone. There are no magazines. There's nothing on the walls to look at. I'm like slapping my pants because I just, I don't know what else to do. Like I'm staring, like the only other thing in this room is another man who doesn't have a phone. So I'm staring at these like specks on the wall. They're probably boogers. And I'm like, that's interesting. Hmm. <laughs> like I just don't know where to look. And, I, and so I'm sitting there and like this guy's like, you getting medicine? He's like, tetanus. Like I don't know what to say. It's like I've lost, I figured out how to communicate. And like the only thing I could think of was, so do you have hair. Uh, like, I don't know how to talk to this man. And I just suddenly realized I function like an addict. 
We all function like addicts, just itching for another hit, not sure, just something to take the edge off. So what I started doing is I started praying one-sentence prayers during these urges. Every time I felt this urge to want to check my phone, I started praying for my wife, for my kid, for this church, for my worship team. During my stupid withdrawals from a device, it was a wake-up call to how unhealthy I was, how unhealthy we all are, and how much we've let these devices dictate our thoughts and our schedules. 2 Peter 2.19 says you are a slave to whatever controls you, and boy, aren't we all. So unplug, disconnect from this. Give your phone to somebody who knows where you're going and pray during the urges, fast from it. And number four is this, last one. Be a light on your platform. We cannot lose our voice as believers on our platforms. They cannot stop listening. We need to be prepared for the, for the posts that say, there is no hope, I don't know if I can go on, and we need to follow up with a private message and be okay with that instead of wanting to be a hero in the comments. And listen, if you have sat here today, this is a little uncomfortable, but if you're saying, oh, I know, I know, I've been saying all this, I know, then you might be part of the problem and this message might be for you because we, none of us have done this well and none of us have done our best at social media. We have let it consume us and we all have somewhere we need to fix and realize. We can't be walking around saying that we're light, but we're actually masquerading as darkness and everybody else realizes it but us. So choose to be a light on your platform. Well, look, technology is not going away, but we have to know who we are in Jesus before we ever engage in social media and accept this responsibility or let our children be exposed to it. We have to have the confidence in who we are in Jesus before we ever wade through what's coming next from technology because the world is going to be watching us and they're gonna be watching our comments and how we lead our lives and how we lead our families and they have to know that there's something more outside of these devices and it's something that they want to experience and share with us in person. Then their joy and our joy can be complete.